Hi, everyone. Welcome to my shows, My Steps to Sobriety, with your host, Stefan Neff. And today is a fantastic day because I have got a beautiful guest here. I have got Dr. Feelgood. Well, actually, that would have been the introduction before 2003 when Natalie Forstauer, uh, unfortunately, was involved in a motor vehicle accident. And from, uh, from a coach who was passionate about her work, she ended up a very different person after her motor vehicle accident. And I'm so delighted to have her on my show today to explore her journey with her and to show the remarkable transformation that she has undergone, the lessons she has learned, and in turn, all the beautiful lessons that you guys out there can learn from Natalie and her journey. So without further ado, Natalie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's my honor to be here with you today, Stefan. Oh, my, my, my. You have always been very passionate about your life and about helping others. So this if we were true. to go around the, the 2000s, how was your life then? What did you get up to? Well, it, I, 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 there's a number of things. One is I geeked out on, on computers and technology. So I was diving into the world of um, online marketing and what that looked like and uh, teaching myself how to code, um, doing some HTML and PHP. And then um, I also was... Um, launching my career as a professional speaker and I and I just finished writing a book in 2000 and 2002 2003 and um, I created an online membership site um, which back then I, it, I and I had online videos and online ask the expert interviews is which is what we would call podcasts today right and um, and I and I was really committed to uh, spreading the word of how to be healthy when people really had no time because there was, a, there's a, there was an illusion that, that I saw within my clients that I was working with is that they didn't have time to do the things that they thought they had to do to be healthy. And I was noticing that it's actually the little things we do every day that brings us deeper health. It's not going out and like running 10 miles once a week or going to the gym all of a sudden and then quitting. It's it's the little habits that we create. So that's what inspired my first book, Health in a Hurry, which is the book that I wrote in 2003. And just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It is, um, I, throughout this talk, I can't help myself but drawing parallels uh, between your journey and my journey, because that was what initially struck me so much, how the lessons we both learned me from a chronic brain injury called uh, alcoholism and you from an acute brain injury uh, were essentially identical. And I've just released my book, My Steps to Sobriety. And in there is a huge chapter of exactly the small habits, the, the need to address the basics uh, and making conscious decisions to head the right way 
every second, every minute of your day. So here you were uh, when I was uh, still so busy with my crazy red race that I was in. At that time, yeah. you already had seen the light because that mm -hmm. was around 2000 and you already had written the book, which I had mm -hmm. the pleasure of looking into. So mm -hmm. it's, it's actually gorgeous there. So there you were with, with all those beautiful things that we now take for granted, but must have been quite mm -hmm. a trendsetter in 2000. Who would have thought about all these things that we now take for granted? You were mm -hmm. on the pulse of things, weren't you? Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I really felt like I was really living my life in purpose and on purpose and super intentionally and, uh, and it, it was I, like I at the time of the accident, at the time of the injury, I really, really felt um, like I, I I was living living my dream life. You know, with my with my career, I had an amazing partner. We had an organic farm together as well, and I just published my first book. Was published in two other books, and had this online membership site. Was getting booked on as a keynote speaker. You know, six months, two wow. years in advance, and so wow. to land with a brain injury was really. Um, curious hmm. can you remember the day of the accident well i remember uh i remember um getting i i remember starting to drive out to bc because we were in saskatchewan which is in central canada and uh, bc is about two thousand kilometers away and a little morning that's, trip for you <laughs> that's right <laughs> so and and it, it's where my book launch was because i was in the process of moving out to saskatchewan to be with my partner and have this organic farm and beautiful life together and and we were picking up my books on the way to the book launch in like halfway through in calgary and then they we picked up the books and i have little snapshots of the excitement of picking up the books but i don't actually remember that that um those transactions hmm. so I don't know that I don't know I don't remember the day of but I, I there's pieces hmm. I remember having this amazing pizza like it, it, uh, picking up amazing pizza on the way out of town as well <laughs> isn't it amazing what what the brain the brain uh, uh, registers as really important and lays yes. down so deep in the foundations that even uh, a big knock on the head doesn't get rid of it. How beautiful yeah. is that? Yeah. <laughs> there certainly worse memories <laughs> you could have come <laughs> up with, honestly. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> okay, so then blank. Someone switches yeah. off the lights. What mm -hmm. was the first thing you can remember when the lights went back on? that was a really uh it was a really tender moment because people hear i hear about people talking about near-death experiences and i haven't i haven't this is the first time i've publicly talked about this Stefan. this no one's put this question in front of me in public before um and please so, feel free if you if you do not wish to talk about it. This is absolutely yeah. fine. Oh, thanks for that permission. I appreciate it. And I'm going to answer it. I've written about it in a memoir that I'm working on um, that walks through the brain injury. So when I first came back, um, everything around me was white and my skin was tingling. And I can remember like it was just this tingling sensation and it was really bright white. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking, 
And then all of a sudden I see these tall, dark pillars. And I was like, I don't remember that in heaven. Like that was my first thought. I was like, I don't remember that wherever I was, heaven or the ethers, or I'm not too sure where. And then, um, and then I saw Dave, who was my partner at the time. And then I knew I wasn't in heaven. And I don't mean that in a minute. Like it was just, I just knew, I knew that I was back <laughs> on earth. Oh, poor Dave. <laughs> I know, right? And, and it wasn't, it wasn't a negative thing. I was like, oh, because where I was, it was just, it was different. It was yeah. a different experience. And then I realized, uh, like, m- I don't know if it was months or years later, I realized the dark pillars that I saw were trees because it, there was a light snowfall. And um, where we had the accident and the, 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 the roof of the truck was peeled back. And, um, and, uh, and I had been thrown under the dash of the truck. And so I had crawled out, I guess, onto the seat. And, um, and that, that's my first memory. It was just white and wondering where I was. Mm. <clears throat> and, I, and, you know, I knew, I, knew, I knew Dave was someone important to me, but I didn't know who he was. Like, I knew who, he was someone important to me, but I didn't know his name. I didn't know our relationship. I didn't know my name I didn't know who I was I had no idea I was on the way to my book launch Mm. yeah that must have been well probably at the time it probably wasn't scary because these were the moments when you actually when your brain tries to figure out what's going on you don't don't understand the fullness, the 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 reality, the, the implications your brain just gets these few impulses that it has and tries to figure out, okay, what's going on here? Um, Did you, when the ambulance came, um, they obviously took care of you, took you to the hospital. Did you have to be in intensive care? Did you, did you end up in a, in an induced coma or did you? No, no. I just had, you can see maybe a little tiny bit. You can see my little scar there on my forehead. I call it my, my, I am Canadian hockey stick or L for live, love, laugh, and life. (laughs) So they just, they, you know, they stitched that up and um, I was uh, just at the end of um, the first trimester of a pregnancy Mm. at the time of the accident and um, ended up in a really small hospital where they didn't have facilities to check that out so they sent me to another hospital and um which was totally overcrowded and to diagnose me with a head injury and um put me in a closet literally or in the hallway and uh and 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 dave and dave was like there's no way she's staying here and i had family in town and so they sent him home with um protocol to watch for and um, to check on me regularly for swelling in my face. And I mean, the list is, goes on and on and on. And um, so, I, no, I, they just sent me home. It was a closed head injury. Mm. Yeah. Goodness. Um, and fair call. It is, there's no way that I can comment on that as a doctor or as an anesthetist uh, who, was, who, who was used to intensive care. Mm-hmm. Um, we only saw the, the really bad cases uh, where we then helped by sending these cases off to sleep for a day or two to help their brain uh, reduce its demand on oxygen and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we, we 
I myself am very happy with the management of closed head injury. But of course, I have no idea how you presented at the time. And obviously, my colleagues would have thought she is not as bad. Mm-hmm. And that's good. That's good. Please, let's let's not be silly. So f- at the time of it all happening, it didn't seem to be so bad for my medical colleagues. But when you now listen, when I listen to your TEDx talk and uh, try to peel back the, the, the mask and try to, to look at the real you, there was a huge impact of your traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Are you happy to talk about that? Are you happy to talk about yeah, the next year or two? In, yes, for sure. Go for it. Let's go. How oh, was you want it? me to share? Well, it was shocking, really, because I went from a super high-functioning human to somebody who couldn't remember how to use a stove. So I knew a stove was for cooking with, but I couldn't remember how to use it. I knew a chair was for sitting on, but I couldn't remember what it was called. And Dave would joke around that uh, communicating with me was like playing charades <laughs> because there was so, and finding words was really difficult, right? They call that aphasia. And hmm. So the first, I'd say year was actually probably more confusing. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall because I, I have memories of making, um, a squash soup, for example, and getting up in the morning and starting, you know, cutting onions and peeling squash. And my typical experience of that is I could probably knock that out in about 20 minutes. But I remember doing activities like that. And it would be like five o'clock in the afternoon and I was still peeling squash. Like, how is that possible? And I just, and I would be so, I couldn't figure it out. And and um, and then there'd be other experiences where I had I was a part of a couple of masterminds and um, I just kept for missing the meetings like over and over and over again and I would put reminders on and um, <laughs> and they they still wouldn't work and uh, um, I, and it got to the point where I recognized that I was missing these meetings and so I'd sit with a, a uh, the phone on my knee. It would be, you know, not, the meeting would be at nine o'clock and I'd sit at 845. I'd be like, okay, Natalie, you're not moving until you are on that phone. And then you're not moving. You're staying, you're staying here. You're sitting here. And this is almost uh, two years after post-injury. And I'm sitting there staring at the phone. And then all of a sudden, 45 minutes later, the phone is ringing and it's the author circle. And they're saying, Natalie, where are you? I thought you're, are you joining us? And I, and I'm like, are you? kidding me so I even putting in protocol to ensure you know strategies to help myself fix or get move through the things that I was noticing they they weren't even working and so then we changed the strategy they called me for the meetings (laughs) so we found ways around them but it was just odd because I also landed in Saskatchewan and I was from BC so nobody knew me really knew me before I had the injury and I was working with doctors who were like well you know in time you'll things will change and I was also working with um a vulnerable situation because um Dave was driving at the time of the accident and so he felt responsible for Mm. the brain injury Mm. 
And the, the challenging part of that was, is neither of us really knew what we were dealing with Stefan. So I would go into the doctor with a list of things that I would notice that were challenging, like not being able to remember things, can't remember what things are called, mm. um, missing meetings. I, I mean, the list was kind of long and I go in and I go through the list with the doctor and I'd come out and Dave would just be all kind of tense and he'd be like, you didn't tell him everything. And I'm like, what do you mean? I didn't tell him everything. Oh. I went through the list. He's like, and he just sit there and shake his head and be so frustrated. But what I didn't know, and I didn't learn until almost five years post injury was that I was having the same conversation multiple times with him and not realizing it. Ah. So your short-term memory was severely affected. That's right. Yeah. Where and I had no clue. Oh. Were there times that you walked into the kitchen, put uh, the oven on or put something onto the stove, then walked out and the alarms went off when, when everything was smoking? Oh, often I boiled pots dry. I learned to only cook on the front two burners. Mm. I never, I, and like, I, I just learned certain strategies to, or maybe it was two back. I don't remember, but mm. um. I just put in safety and also this, I also learned to never leave anything on the stove and always check it. So, because otherwise it was just, mm. it was too vulnerable. Isn't it? I, le I would leave things, I would leave the stove on randomly. It would just be turned on and I walk in and the, uh, the burner would be red hot. And I think, and I honestly thought other people were doing it. I really, really did. I, oh. I was pointing fingers all the time because I was a person who remembered everything. I was a person who, um, I wasn't organized, but I could, like, I was on top of things. So, oh wow, <laughs> there's wow. no way it was me. Yeah, you no, know, it's this. Please, I have seen many cases like that, and it is so frustrating, especially for someone like you who has been so highly functioning and uh, proud of her mental acuity, of her her abilities, of her sharpness. Mm -hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I feel for you. This must have been such a frustrating time. <sighs> well, it, yeah, it, it, it was frustrating and it was also very curious, Stefan. You know, it was frustrating because my training was in complementary medicine and mindfulness and thought awareness. And so I really believe that if I um, worked hard enough that I would be able to heal myself. Like I really, really believe that if I ate the right foods and if I thought, you know, if I, um, you know, be the change you want to see in the world, that kind of thing. I really believe that if I could rearrange how I was experiencing what my perspective of was things that I could fix myself and I would be better. And to a certain degree in the bigger scheme of things, you were actually right, just not the way you wanted that. Because you sound actually, with all due respect, you sound like a man. There's a problem, I'm going to fix it. We're going to be fine. Let's move on. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so there's a bit of a Y chromosome hiding in you. <laughs> and, with all due, and with all due respect, I think I, I, I did go at a talk one time, I was listening to a counselor and, he, and it was a man and he was talking about how men think and how women think. And, sure. and he described me to a T and I was like, oh, so I'm like, I'm a man now. Like, <laughs> post brain injury. <laughs> I totally think and process like a man. So I can say I actually get you, but. <laughs> Take that as an honorary title, okay? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, okay. 
Now, listeners, viewers, you can imagine the person you would have talked to if you had met Natalie in 2005, 2006. There would have been a very different Natalie in front of you. Probably a, at times, confused Natalie. A, a woman who looks at you maybe at times angry because she thinks, I've just told you that, or I have not done that. What? You know, there is all kind of confused feelings. And with that comes a lack of confidence. You mm -hmm. self-doubt yourself constantly. You, you, you have got, you develop your own mannerisms because you have to check and recheck and then check again. So all that would have been a very, very, very different person than I interview now. Mm -hmm. What the hell has happened to turn you around? Mm. How did you become this beautiful person now, mm -hmm. the Natalie Forstbauer version 2.0 um, that is out there and kicking mm -hmm. ass despite what has happened? Or probably because what has happened to you. But what happened? What, what did you do? Well, I, I think a couple of things happened. I'm just going to back it up a little bit, if that's okay, Stefan. Of course, because, of course. Um, so there was, a, there was another really poignant um, interaction that I had. And this was, I'm not too sure exactly how far post-brain injury, but it was a couple of years for sure. And I had been in Saskatchewan for a while, or maybe it was in the first year, regardless. Um, I was at an event with, with Dave, and um, he, and we were talking to another couple, and he didn't introduce me to them. And I was furious because I felt like this was happening over and over and over again. And I think the polite thing to do is you introduce your girlfriend to people, right? That's what you do. <laughs> so I interrupt the conversation. I, and literally, I'm like, I, I apologize for interrupting. I just want to introduce myself. I'm Natalie Forsbauer. And they're like, mm. yeah, we've met. And I was like, we've met? Because in my head, I remember everyone I meet, like everyone. And like, and, ev and I remember how many kids you had, where you grew up, like what you did last weekend, what our conversation was about. And I had no recollection of these people. And, um, and, I, and I said, are you sure? And I'm thinking, I know Dave's girlfriend before me had blonde hair. So I'm pretty sure. And I'm like, we're together a lot. So I'm pretty sure he's not with anybody else. And so these are the thoughts that are going through my head and, and they say, Oh no, yeah, we met, we, we met um, on, on, on Saturday at, uh, like at church and, um, and at the school fair. And um, I could see that they were being really truthful. And I looked at Dave and I was like, is that, is that right, Dave? Mm -hmm. And he was like, That's weird. That's really weird. And that was one of the moments where my life fell apart, literally. <laughs> I like the sound effects. You did Thank that you well. very much. I know. First quiet are... <laughs> and then the explosion. Wow. I mean, that that's was... impressive, right? <laughs> I'm impressed. Oh, yeah. That's a, uh, that must have been the cats tuning into the energy of it. Um, <laughs> it was at that, but that's what happened on the inside for me. If every, like, I just, I crumbled, I fell apart. I was like, well, who am I? Cause I'm not remembering people that I meet. Mm. 
Like I thought I was this person and now I'm showing up as this person. So what is that? And I don't even like the new person I'm showing up as because now I'm not reliable. I, um, I, like, I, I, I don't show up. I'm not healthy anymore. Like, who is that person? That was hard. So fast forward. So 2003 was the accident. 2008, I also decided to have three kids in three years, three and a half years. Um, 2008, I had, thank you, Mia. No, no, I'm um, just, sorry, I'm just thinking mommy brain, <laughs> plus traumatic brain well, injury. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's the thing, Stefan, because um, some people were like, well, it's, it's mummy brain. And I was like, well, okay. And I'm also the only person I know whose memory is improving throughout the pregnancy. So sure, I might have mummy brain. But, <laughs> but I'm telling you, I can remember more this week than I remembered last week. And so I had this healing process that was happening during the pregnancies. And sure, I also acknowledge that there must be mummy brain stuff going on. And at the same time, I really believe that the pregnancies healed like lots of pieces of the brain injury, which we won't dive into um, in, in this conversation. But um, I remember being, uh, I'm also the oldest of 12 children and grew up in doing summer camps and counseling and doing all those fun things. So, and coaching. And so my skills with, I had mad skills when it came to looking after kids and um, playing games with them, you know, doing the ABCs. I couldn't even remember how you were saying the ABC song. I got it mi mixed up all the time. It was crazy making. And um, so anyways, I'm, I'm, it's 2008 and I have these three little kids and my life is literally falling apart around me. And I had been told I had a brain injury but I really was pretty sure that the doctors were wrong all the way along. That was another problem. <laughs> and, um, and I noticed like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I noticed I needed help. And that was when, that was my like come to Natalie moment. It, you've when I knew. You just described alcoholism in, in a yeah. tea. <laughs> You need help. No, I don't. I don't. I'm fully in control. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yes. This is, yes. This, you be, it, it, I'm, I'm so humbled listening to you. It's no longer, no longer true. So that was 2008. Um, yeah. And you felt, wow, enough is enough. But it's one thing to feel like that mm. and then one thing to find a way forward. That's right. And so that's when I changed. I really started to change my story to I'm going to fix myself. I'm going to get better. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to make the best of this to what can I do today? Like, what can I do today? What can I do when I wake up? Beautiful. Because beautiful. that's all I had to do. Ah, beautiful. Yeah. So that's, it changed my life. I mean, because up until that point, I was trying to do and recapture everything that I had done and been before. And it, it gave me permission to just wake up and like my, I, I, 
I made my goal, my, my, um, priorities while looking after myself and, um, loving my kids. Cause I was told that all kids need is love and food and shelter. <laughs> so those became my number one jobs just to make sure they were loved and that they're fed. Mm. And, um, the re- anything I did above and beyond that was golden. Like anything, anything I did above and beyond that, Stefan, I just, uh, was, um, like icing on the cake. So I really had to dial back my commitments and my life and my perspective of what I thought I wanted to do and who I thought I wanted to be. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Uh, <laughs> serenity yeah. prayer fits to a T to both most of uh, to, to all alcoholics, uh, to all addicts. And now mm-hmm. I've learned also to all sufferers from traumatic brain injuries. And, I think so. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful how you describe that. Uh, it must have been quite a sense of relief for you once you actually gave yourself permission to no longer be that perfect human being in your mind or that perfect human being that you perceived yourself to be in 2003 before the accident. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It, it, it's funny because I mean, there's such an illusion that happens, right. Of who we perceive ourselves to be. Like, I know that I, there were a lot of things that I was not great at before the accident. And um, at the same time, I really felt good about the things that I was good at and who I was and how I was showing up. And so, and I liked that person and I liked those parts of myself. So I, I, I was so hungry, so hungry for them and uh, because I thought she brought value to the world. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and she probably did. She probably did in yeah. her own way. But that's the, right. Yeah. But the new version yeah. 2.0 is <sighs> so much more powerful I mean, you are Terminator reincarnated. You are, you are the <laughs> kick-ass girl by simply mm. showing what a new path for a person can mean. And mm. that if one door closes and another opens, yeah, probably your house is haunted. But it also means that you actually can, in the most beautiful way, can get on with your life and yeah. become such a beautiful being uh just a being that you never knew would be there mm-hmm. that is and that is that is what we are facing here today with you mm-hmm. it's gorgeous absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic but how did you get there how did you get there you realized in 2008 yeah. there is something there is something not right and you suddenly there was this this uh, for the lack of a better word divine moment where you mm-hmm. had the insight to say okay enough is enough. I can't chase ghosts. I can't keep going with what I'm doing because for five years that hasn't really made me a very happy person. Um, rather a confused person and probably a bit of an anxious person uh, because you did not achieve yeah. what you would, what you could or what you wanted to. That's uh, right. Then suddenly there was the, the, the relief and you took each moment by its own grace, you you started mm-hmm. living in the moment, literally. What you had told other people to do in your book, 
uh, prior That's right. to <laughs> you actually practiced. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing how that works, isn't yes, it? <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, um, Eckhart Tolle, the, his book, um, I can't remember what it's called right now, but it's Living in the Now or something like that, right? And yeah. and I joke, like, it, it brain, that is one of the gifts of the brain injury is it really brings a person to the present. Mm. and one of the challenges of a brain injury can also be that we're always trying to find the past, find our memory and find the future, find what we want to do or where we want to go. And, and, um, when really, uh, that is probably one of those profound gifts is the ability to really presence myself with whatever's right in front of me. And, um, because I don't have the capacity or now even want a lot of the time to be holding the context of the past or to be holding the wishes for the future. I like to hold the intentions for the future, but not the, mm. like those attachments. Mm. But one of, a couple of things that were really powerful that I did was I just really gave myself permission to, I guess like a person can, could say, hold, like hold my own hand. So rather than beating myself up and making myself wrong for everything that I no longer was. I just learned to kind of meet myself where I was and go and just, and just like, and just hold and, you know, to hold my heart really tenderly and be like, both okay with where I was at and, um, and, and, and loving towards myself, right? Because I had been so hard on myself for everything I no longer was. And that was crippling. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, that insight. You were always loving the presence or the present, shall I say, when you were gardening. You had an organic farm and your hands were in the soil. Your hands were touching plants all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess here that this was your grounding place, that this was where you felt at home. Mm -hmm. where you were, was that your happy place? For sure, it was. I had I had an organic farm out in um, the prairies with the my the children's dad, and it was a grain farm. So there, there's a lot of not a lot of hands in the dirt, but I had made my own garden, and that was very funny because nothing worked in it except for the tomatoes and tomatoes. <laughs> I was that about was to it. say, like, Canada and and organic farm does not necessarily <laughs> sort of gel. <laughs> Do you hack well, the ice before you put the seed in? Or come on. You need to come to Canada. It, there's lots of beautiful, hot, sunny days here in different parts of the world. Yeah, all three of them. Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, but anyway, so um, in 2009, 2010, so this is um, seven years post-brain injury, hmm. I ended up back in, in, in BC, and um, my marriage had disintegrated and uh, I had three little kids who, and I needed support. I needed support for the brain injury. I needed support being a mom with them. And my family was all out in BC. So I ended up moving back there. 
and my parents had an organic vegetable and blueberry farm that I was raised on. And so I would go over there and work on the farm, just little bits. And um, I remembered not being able to remember how to plant a garden when I was out in Saskatchewan. The shock, but I didn't have to worry about weeding because nothing except for the tomatoes, which were already a foot high when I planted them, grew. But when I was out in BC, there's like, there's acres and acres and acres of organic vegetables. And so you sit down on your butt and, or on your hands and knees and you weed the little carrots and you weed the little beets. And I remember going out to weed the carrots and looking at the row and I was like, I can't tell the carrots from the weeds. And it wasn't only that I couldn't tell the carrots from the weeds, but it was exhausting trying to figure it out. And I grew up doing this stuff, so I should have been able to do it like mm. with like no problem. So um, I quickly learned that that was not a good job for me and that I would do second or third weedings, which is where you can really see the carrots and there's not very many weeds. And so you pull out the bigger weeds. And so um, I, so I use those exercises as brain exercises, right? Because I knew that if I was having a hard time doing them, that they were probably good for me. And I learned to only do them for as long as, until I was tired because I also had little kids to look after. So maybe I'd only weed for five minutes or 15 minutes or maybe half an hour if that's how long my mental alertness would last for. So I was doing things like that. And then I started growing dahlias. And when I first started growing dahlias, I was noticing that I actually couldn't, like I grew a lot of different colors of dahlias. And so if I picked, if I was picking purple flowers and then the next flowers were pink and I knew there was other colors of flowers behind the purple flowers, but I, I wouldn't be able to remember, like, so mixing the flowers, you know, in pretty bunches like pinks with oranges or pinks with purples. I was noticing, I actually couldn't remember. I couldn't remember which flowers were where in the field and it was two rows. So it wasn't like it was hard. And so I was like, huh, this is really interesting too. And then as the years passed, Stefan, I noticed that I was able to remember that there were red flowers with pointy petals. And then there was red flowers with round petals. And then there was purple flowers that had pink in them and purple flowers that had orange in them. And I was like, whoa, Oh my gosh, I'm able to remember things. So there were, so the farming and gardening became not only res restoration and healing for my brain, but it also became touch points for me being able to notice how my brain was kind of rewiring and waking up. And it was fascinating to witness and to experience. And I mean, I have so many different examples of that, but it, and then so here's the, here's the most interesting part is I moved to Saskatchewan just this last fall and it's now 2020. So the accident was 18 years ago. And um, I decided to dig up an acre and a half of land and my kids are kicking and screaming. They're like 14, 13 and 12 and my 14 year old. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you can imagine how happy they are. <laughs> so my 14 year old, he's lit up. He's like, why do you have to do this anyways? -da 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 -da. And he's like, I understand that you want to grow your own food, but this, this much, do you know how much work this is? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, it's, it's quite a bit of work, isn't it? I'm looking around at 5,000 strawberry plants and <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> yeah. I kind of woman. Yes. Right. And um, I'm like, and, but the great part of the conversation, Stefan was, 
I realized why I wanted to do it and it's because it had been such a big part of my healing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is how I have re like, like woke up. This is how my, my brain has woke up to being able to have this conversation with you and being able to um, notice what I notice and feel what I feel and do what I do. So it's powerful. And it's so beautiful because as doctors and in actual fact, me as a doctor thinking I know it all, uh, have just learned such a powerful thing from you because in my mind, whatever you are at, at one year after a brain injury, I thought that was it. Okay, mm -hmm. there is, there is, I, I, whilst the neuroplasticity of the brain is very much something I understand, I didn't appreciate to which degree it keeps working and doing its beautiful, beautiful magic. Mm -hmm. Because uh, thinking, well, 2003 to 2020, 17, 18 years now, and you continue to make improvements, you continue to work. But I guess to a certain degree, what I've just said is so important. Let's stress that word, work. Mm -hmm. You keep working, you keep mm -hmm. practicing, you keep, mm -hmm. you don't just sit there and say, oh, well, that's it. No, you keep working. And I love the curiosity that you bring to the whole game. You are not, well, mind you, I haven't even asked you that. Um, what I was about to say is you're not throwing pity parties. But it can't have been all roses or dahlias in no. this case, or strawberries. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So there must have been uh, parties somewhere along the line. Yeah, there are a lot of dark days, Stefan. Um, I referenced the author circle earlier, and um, probably around the time that we were noticing that I just was not able to show up to the meetings I was in, uh, or part of being part of a mastermind, I don't know if you've been part of masterminds before, is um, you, you're working, like you're working on different projects and you're committed and you're showing up and you're supportive of the other people in the mastermind. And um, I would keep making these goals. I'm gonna send out press releases to these people because I had a book tour that I had planned before the event and I had radio shows and TV programs to be on and I was, and I went on a couple of them. I couldn't even remember what my book was about. It was super frustrating. Oh. They'd ask me questions and I'd be like, mm. just shoveling. Like, sh I, I just kind of like tried to piece it together. So anyways, with the author's circle, um, there was a point where I didn't feel worthy to be in the group anymore because I wasn't contributing. I just couldn't, I couldn't show up for myself, let alone them. Like I, I, I couldn't even remember the projects that they were working on. And, um, and they said, Natalie, what do you need? What do you need from us? And I said, um, I need a babysitter. <laughs> and they said, a babysitter, <laughs> like for my, your step kids. Cause we had step kids who came and spent a week with us every second week. And I was like, no, for myself. <laughs> and they said, what do you mean by that? And I was like, well, I'm really struggling. Like, and I am breaking, I am falling apart. I can barely get these words out of my mouth. Like I'm like, I'm struggling right now. 
And um, through some coaching and conversation, we identified that they would each take a turn calling me every single day. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And, you know, I needed that to get through those days because I didn't know how I'd get through those days. Because they were so hard. Like, I didn't know who I was anymore. Yeah. Wow. Every day they called just to say, hi, hey, Natalie, how are you doing? And I look forward to those calls every day. And I'm sure, like, working through um, sobriety and I think working through trauma, period, um, those types of um, support and people showing up for you is life-changing is it not is it not yeah and it sorry mm -hmm. yeah i was just gonna say it almost feels like minimizing it's calling it life-saving but it's because it's so much more than that it's like it's really the foundation and the threads of connection isn't it connection it's the human connection Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's to show someone that you care it can be that little smile or that little how are you doing or that mm-hmm. little i remember it, i went into rehab um seven years ago round about there and i was pretty broken and out and down when i got a message that someone is, will be visiting me one sunday Hmm. I was quite surprised and I didn't know who mm-hmm. turned up. And yeah. it was someone that I would have never considered doing that. Mm-hmm. And it was the only person who ever, ever sort of showed his face. And he was, uh, he was a, a colleague of mine who had his own demons, his own battles with mm-hmm. alcohol. And he just came along for half an hour on a Sunday. So he drove three hours to get to me, sit mm-hmm. with me half an hour, and then drove wow. back three hours. And I was stunned. Mm. I did not see that coming. And mm. whilst it was flabbergasting at the time, it is to this day I remember that for mm. the, the powerful gesture that it was mm. to go out of your way and to tell someone in not a big words but just mm-hmm. by being there to tell them you yeah. appreciate them and love them and you care about them yeah. and that's such a powerful 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 thing yeah wow yeah just showing up oh thank you and, I, and and i'm very sorry that i made you cry here but no is... that's okay that's <laughs> i think i think that's you know it's for sure vulnerable and at the same time I think it's okay it's okay to have those tender moments and um and to just be uncomfortable and comfortable in the uncomfortable you know and this because that's what we have to learn to do because otherwise there's a lot of hiding going along on you know there's a lot of I guess people call it posturing. (laughs) One of the words. Call it what you like. I know exactly what you mean. And it is so common out there. 
in the in the day of of facebook and messenger and instagram and being having the perfect makeup and the perfect pose <laughs> right. like that you know it is just no to actually see see you uh and see a tear on your cheek is is the most beautiful and the most humbling thing that i as a as a host could could imagine uh so I'm so grateful for your honesty and I'm grateful for the, the insights that you share with me, with me, who is essentially a stranger and with hopefully thousands of other strangers right. out there <laughs> who are probably all in, in a quite vulnerable position for one reason or the other. Mm -hmm. But it is, I think your journey shows us that there is hope that there is a way out even in the darkest moment when you can't see it mm -hmm. uh even when you think everything is lost and that's that must have been the feeling when when the doctors told you ah oh, well just give it some time and you're going to be right and if not oh well so what um you know it is yeah. i can that's i right. can sense the frustration that you that you that you had at that moment in time and that's right yeah yeah i apologize for cutting you off um it just reminded me of something you said earlier is that um because that was the story in the beginning and then when i started to see the specialists and they were saying oh natalie you have a brain injury and i'm like a brain what and then they told me i had a brain injury and i was like oh, what what does that mean and 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 uh, so they tried to tell me, of course, I didn't listen. And I said, well, I'll get better. Watch me, like watch me. <laughs> and um, literally those are my conversations with the, the, <laughs> the neuro neurologists and stuff. And then, and then um, I, I, I met another neuro, neuro neurologist or neuropsychologist in Vancouver and who was like, Oh, one of the best. And, and he told me that um, where I was at the best was going to be. And that was in 2008, just before I was brought to my knees and the world fell apart. And um, I was going somewhere with this. And that, and that, um, um, I'm not too sure where I was going with that. <laughs> but, no. but it, it was, it was that, it, yeah, it was that um, the, the illusion was that. Um, I would get better and then I was told that I wasn't going to get better right and then the learning was that um whether I get better or don't get better isn't like healing isn't fixing what we perceive to be broken beautiful fucking beautiful 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 yeah oh wow I regret a lot of conversations that I had as a doctor uh, where I tried mm -hmm. to to tell patients that it is what it is kind of a thing. And uh, I uh, would love to go back in time and change the tune of my of my discussions to add more hope, because mm -hmm. that is certainly what I've, I've learned from you. Never to give up, but not like Don Quixote riding against the same windmill again and again, but rather saying, okay, fair enough. So maybe that windmill is not meant to be, but mm. why not, well, in your case, grow how many strawberries? 
That is a hell of a lot of strawberries. We'll see. We'll see how they do. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned some more. I I had 120. So and I thought I was going over the top. But here you go. Who am I to judge? (laughs) Right. Likewise. Oh, you're gorgeous. (laughs) If if you were uh, if you were to to tell our readers, uh, sorry, readers, our listeners, mm. our viewers, if you wanted to give them one parting message, what would that be, message be? Mm. I would say, um, with the presumption that you treat with that that we treat other, I, I would want, There's a couple things. One is that is to treat yourself how and approach yourself and your own healing, how you would support your best friend or your mom or one of your kids. And just to hold the same tenderness for yourself as you might hold for them. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And, um, and the other piece is, is to, to, uh, um, to just deepen into and to really, really listen to your own inner guidance and your own inner wisdom as you sit with yourself, because that is where, that's where the magic happens. And there's a lot of information. There's a lot of strategies. There's a lot of healing modalities. There's a lot of different doctors. There's a lot of noise in the world. And there's a lot of, good that will really have a profound impact on you and your heart and your health and your wellness and your livelihood and your well-being and at the same time you know what will resonate most deeply with you and I just want to invite you to trust that and to really really listen to it powerful words wow Natalie, I'm so, so, so grateful that you shared all these beautiful insights. Uh, you, you changed my mind. You changed the way I think already now after, I don't know how long we, we've had the pleasure of talking, but you, you switched a few switches in my head, which make me think and make me reevaluate my own path. I so hope that so many other people listen to this and mm. learn from you because there's so much, so much wisdom in your words. Mm. Uh, it's beautiful. Mm, thank you, Savannah. It sounds like I cannot wait to read your book. And it sounds like <laughs> I want to learn from you. <laughs> yeah, I'm you really have been there. You've it. done it all. You've done it. Come on. It's, it's just, you are, you're the blueprint. <laughs> Without me right. ever knowing you, you're the blueprint. How to do it. Then this, and that's exactly what I do in my book. That's, I describe action plans that you have put into action way before I wrote them. So... And that's oh, I love it. That's yeah. oh, absolutely. No, thank you so much, Natalie. Yeah.
Yeah, thank so, you. Thanks for the invitation and thanks for the conversation. Oh, please. Yes. Guys, I'm going to put all the links uh, to Natalie's TEDx talk, which is a most beautiful thing to watch. Um, and uh, every link that to, to her beautiful work that she's doing now will be below us here into the comments and in the description um, of this podcast. So check her out, see, uh, learn more and uh, take stories like Natalie's as what they are. They are, they are blessings. They are, they are beautiful things in disguise that hopefully trigger something in us to change our own path and to have the faith and the, the resolution to take that step into hopefully the right direction and mm -hmm. keep going and take another step and another step and don't give up and just keep walking yes you're in the middle of darkness you're in the middle of of mm -hmm. knee deep in shit keep walking keep walking and mm -hmm. you may very well be surprised where you end up and the chances are it's not knee deep in shit it's chances are that you are finding yourself as a much stronger person down the line, a, probably a very different person down the line. But that person is likely to be the new and improved you, just as much as Natalie is now the new and improved version. And it's lovely. So I wish you all a fantastic time, a fantastic day. Look after yourselves. And Natalie, again, thank you so much for being on my show. Thank Bye. you, Susan. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Big love. <laughs>